<laughs> Bless the Lord. Let's give the Lord another hand, please. God is so good to us. I shared with you as we were worshiping that the Lord had spoken to me two days ago, and, and he said, son, he said, declare again uh, to stand, to stand in my place and see the great thing that I will do. Comes out of 2 Samuel 2. See the great thing that I will do. And of course, you know, we don't understand the Lord a lot of times in timelines, right? God's eternal. So when he speaks something, we right away, we want to compress it into a timeline. But many times what the Lord is saying is that watch what I will do as you stand in the house. I will do great things. I will do a great thing. So I went into a season of some fasting and prayer to, to seek and hear clearly and to understand what the Lord wanted us to do. And I know, what, I know what that is. It's a continuation of what we've been doing, especially as we last week entered in, to continue to enter in and let him take control and authority, especially in our worship. I'd done a series a few years back where uh, prayer is our purpose and we make worship his purpose. And we see throughout scripture every time that the people of God lift him up, that the Lord showers blessings down. And I know, you know, that we're a little peculiar, we're strange in the sense that we, we put that worship as first and foremost covered in prayer. And we do that out of honor to the Father, right? God doesn't really appreciate agendas too much. If the agenda is one in a discipline in the Lord, then the Lord is in it. If the agenda was one of ours, where we restrict him, then the agenda is counter to what God wants to do. So most of the time, we try to be a fellowship without agendas. We have our announcements, we have our worship, it starts at a time. We always set a time that we're gonna finish and we never make it, and we continue on. But the one thing that I know that I know that I know is that the Lord is pleased with worship, pure worship. And. I believe the word of the Lord. How many of you say, I can believe the word of the Lord? And it's scriptural. The Lord said, stand. And what he means by standing, it's not so much physically standing. He's talking about, be firm. Don't be moved. Plant your feet and watch the great thing I shall do. That was a word for this house. That wasn't a word that was prophetic that he wanted me to utter out to the kingdom, even though that's a good word for the kingdom. That was for this house, and those of you who are joined to us, wherever you're at, welcome. We do welcome you. We thank you for going with us, being with us, worshiping with us. We thank you for helping to support us, and we thank you for being part of our extended family, wherever you are. And uh, today, I want to share with you something. The Lord put it on my heart uh, in the middle of the night and very early this morning, and sort of shifted me because I was prepared to just stand and let the Lord do a great thing. And as we were worshiping, the Lord said to me, son, don't compartmentalize me. I said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, stand, you're standing and worship and bring the word too. How many of you know that by the word of God, 
you know, are, we're set free. It's the word that sets us free. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the word that gives us a firm foundation. So we want to move with that. We want to move with the spirit. We want to move with the word. And I've been talking about favor, so we'll deal with that some again today. And I want to highlight darkness versus light and the fact that there's a supernatural favor for this end time. If you don't know we're in the end time, then you're really not following your scriptures or listening to any news or watching anything around you. We're in the latter days. Now, we're not sure when that apostrophe comes and the Lord returns. No man, no woman, nobody, no creature, not the angels above. Not even Lord Jesus knows that time. He's waiting for the Father to set that time. He said only the Father knows. So how arrogant are some that declare and know when and what. But I can tell you this, we're closer than we are farther away. And the Lord said, you'll know the season even as you would watch the, a tree blossom. Well, guess what? We're in that season. And we're in that time where we need to understand that God is calling a very peculiar people to, to prepare for His coming, preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. I'd like to take us back to a foundational scripture that we've been using on the favor of God in the acceptable year, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 60, starting in verse 1. I want to read a few verses. I want to embellish them, and I want to take us further as the Lord gives us time. The Lord says in Isaiah 61, it's a clarion call. Isn't it amazing that I first preached that message back in 1980? When the Lord uh, called and saved me, He put that message in my heart. And he let me know that that would be a prophetic message that he would have me declare. Well, like I said, we have a hard time, especially when we're growing in the Lord and get called to understand the eternal nature of God and the span of time that God works in, which is whatever he wants to do. So right away, I declared that thing. I declared it. And it was interesting because uh, it was in what was a, a garage uh, a former gas station at the corner of Church Hill and Logan Way out in Liberty. It's now gone. And in that place, I, uh, we had uh, a Messianic congregation that I helped to form. It was the first church, if you will, that I helped to plant. And I was preaching, and a rabbi came. And the rabbi was from what was the, the, uh, the less conservative uh, temple, it was out of Boardman, Rabbi Cornspan came, and he brought some of his people because he wanted to reach out and, and see how they could connect with Messianic Jews. And uh, I went and gave a very long sermon. I put everybody to sleep. I didn't know any better. But one of the things I did do was declare Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. And I was pondering on this uh, this morning and saying, Lord, I know now because I'm hearing other voices declaring it. I'm hearing other preachers declaring it now. You know, sometimes in the prophetic, we're a little ahead of the skis. We release things a little sooner than some others do. And we happen to be a house that's ahead of its skis. Uh, we release things, and then we wait for them and see them. We're getting a little better at it than I used to be 42 years ago. But it's coming. It's still coming. And so the light... The light, darkness versus light. Isaiah 60, verse 1. We don't have the screen working. I, I take it. So, oh, there we go. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. 
but the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Let's keep going. And the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes, look round and see They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then shall you see and flow together and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea, which is the earth, shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the Gentiles, the unbelievers, shall come to you. Let's go back. Arise, shine. It doesn't mean to just wake up. You know, it's not like going to a breakfast place and you get the Arise Shine uh, special breakfast with pancakes and a couple eggs. This is Arise. This is to be alert. This is to wake up and come out of a slumber. This is to understand the time that you're in. Arise. And it's also a prophetic declaration because each and every one of you, everyone who has received Jesus Christ, and even some who have not, are receiving an utterance from the Spirit of God that says, wake up, and he's alerting things inside of us that have been put into us spiritually as a code before the beginning of time. It's as if there's an alarm clock going off inside of you that is correlated with the book of life that has your name on it in heaven. And those meters, those hands are coming together and it's beginning to tick and you're beginning to hear chimes. And it's one chime, two chimes, three chimes. I don't know what chime you're on. Could be an eight, a nine, a 10, 11, it could be 12. You could be going back around the clock again. But the Lord is saying, arise. And he tells you to shine, to shine. Well, for some of you with bald heads, you know, it's not this. It's it's shine, shine in the glory and the radiance of what God has put inside of you. Let the glory of God inside of you shine because that glory becomes a light. And he says, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. He tells you to arise. And at the same time, he's saying, I am arising inside of you so that I'm the force that helps you arise. You're not arising in your own power. You're not arising in our own knowledge. We're not arising in our own understanding. We are arising spiritually, prophetically in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of glory, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead is rising up inside of us. It's a resurrection power. And it's a power that hasn't been unleashed on the earth before in human beings. There's a special power, a special favor of supernatural favor for these last days. Why? Because of the next scripture. Let's see what it says. For behold, listen, know, understand, see. Be able to understand and see the environment and the time that we're in. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Notice he says, the darkness. One of the translations says, gross darkness. A darkness that hasn't been seen on this earth before in the magnitude that it's pouring out. You know, as I prayed about that and and I got a visual on it, I could see fissures, cracks. I could see things creeping up out of the earth, coming up out of trees and out of things that have been perverted decayed. I saw an old decayed tree that should be cut down and put in the fire. How many of you know that an old decayed tree is dangerous? 
It can fall on you, right? I just heard the story of about a man and his wife, a Christian man. Last year, she was just out in their apple orchard, just taking a walk, and a branch fell and killed her out of an old tree. And he was sad that he hadn't pruned the tree. God is pruning the trees. God is declaring that he wants a ripe season for his return. There's, there's an ooze, a creep of darkness that's coming out upon the earth. And that's not the worst part. And it's a gross darkness, a deep darkness upon the people. The people. You see, you have to understand what is happening in the world. It's not just systems. It's not just politics. It's not just a social erosion. It is people. People that are blinded in the darkness. People that can't see. People who don't know the truth for the truth. And when that happens, people make their own truths. That's how idol worship came about in Israel, and that's how it's come about here. It's so easy to look on the outer person and say, oh, they look so happy. There's so much going on. And we have a social media campaign now that has polluted the earth. Yes, it's good. There's some good to it, but there's a lot of bad to it. You know, there's people that are dying inside, but they'll take a picture and stick it on Instagram. And you get a photo and you say, oh, don't they look wonderful? And then we see children trying to emulate things that are bad that they see. TikTok, let's steal a car and hang outside of it and run into a police cruiser, put our mask and our hoodies on and take off and let's film it and put it on TikTok. That's happening right now. You know that, right? And people are getting killed. Policemen are getting hurt. It, there's, a, there's a false illusion going on about truth. There's a darkness that's covering the earth. We've had some, shoot, some school shootings, and we've had some other things where, where young people have killed somebody, and in the debriefing, and when they finally get their mind about them, they say, I, 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 I don't even know why I did that. I don't understand why I did that. Many of them practicing what they practice on their gaming and their social medias. And they're taking it into real life. It's a gross darkness. It's a perversion of reality. Taking what is unreal into the reality of real life and losing all boundaries. Gross darkness upon the people. But, the Lord says, but, Tell me, but, but the Lord, come on, but the Lord, say it again, but the Lord, he will arise over you. He's going to activate the glory inside of you, which happens to be the favor of God inside of you. He will arise over you and his glory shall be seen upon you. He's not talking about just the angels seeing his glory upon you. He's not talking about the glory of God seeing the glory upon you. That too, he is talking about the people that have gross darkness on them will see, do see, should see the glory of God upon you. You see, I have come to that place for a while now, and I have to sharpen my sword. One reason why I'm fasting, I have to sharpen my sword because we all begin to just get a little bit of dust on us. It begins to accumulate, right? Now, some of you are really good cleaners. You go to the top places and the top ends of the, of the, of the pictures and you clean the dust off. Some of us aren't. We don't see the dust, so we don't care about it, right? Sometimes we don't see the dust because we're so distracted, even by the religious things of church, 
than faith. But God sees the dust. He says, I will arise over you. I will arise over you. You know what that tells me? It's a canopy. When we're entering into the season of Sukkot, in Sukkot they build a, a, a canopy. And if you were in Israel in some places with temples, you'd see it woven with the harvest. And they come up underneath that. And that's where they fellowship every evening during the eight days of Sukkot until Simchat Torah, and then it comes back down. And in that shelter, that Sukkot, which came from the deserts, they would build these, these things in the desert to get out from the harsh sun and to get some canopy over them. The Lord says, I will be a Sukkot over you. Wherever you go, whatever's happening isn't going to penetrate the canopy of glory that I'm putting over you. You will walk in the fire and will not burn. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I have to put this in. It doesn't matter if the people of darkness hire 87,000 IRS agents to come and take your money. I have a canopy over you. I have a canopy over you. <laughs> I have a canopy. It doesn't matter if the canker worm, because we're just giving away so much money, wants to steal your savings and erode what you have. Don't worry about it. I got a canopy over you. It doesn't matter if the gross darkness says it's a recession and they say they're going to penalize the wealthy and the wealthy say bring it on because they make more. Don't, don't worry about that. I have a canopy over you. I have a canopy. Arise, seek my kingdom and my righteousness. I got it all. I'll supply you everything. My glory, my favor rises upon you. There must be a gross darkness to prepare the way for the, for the king to come. There must be. There's no other way. Those who say we're going to go into some great movement of awakening and revival and the whole earth is going to come around, they got their heads in the ground. There's a gross darkness coming. The revival's coming upon the people of God and upon those who are called to God for the glory to rise up. And the darkness and the glory are going to be at pit. They're going to be fighting. But the Lord says to you, you shall prevail because I'm putting my canopy over you. Gross darkness over the earth. Gross darkness upon the people, but my glory will arise over you and his glory shall be seen on you. Shall be seen on you. What does that mean? Let's go to the next verse. The heathen, the Gentiles in that time, they were the, the un-Israels. So they called them the Gentiles, the ones who weren't Israelites. But for us, the translation, these are heathen. Because you've been grafted in. We're all grafted into the same thing, Jesus Christ. There's no difference. So this is translated to heathen. The heathen, listen to that, will come to your light. What? The heathen will come to your light. How's that going to happen? And kings, kings, those who have riches and authority and dominion and power, they're going to come to your light. That light of the glory is a magnet. It tracks them, and we're going to go into that in a moment because it's a universal law of the creation of God. Next verse. Lift up your eyes all around. Open up your spiritual eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see. Open the eyes of my heart and see. They all gather together. You see, you may think that you're an island out there all yourself. In the workplace, you may think by yourself. In your home, you may think by yourself. Maybe there's places where you feel a little bit unusual 
and out of place. Well, that's good if you do, because the world isn't the place for you. You're an orphan in the world. You don't belong there. You're a child of the King of God. You are, you are displaced. You are dysfunctional in the world's system, but you can prevail over it because the world system isn't your system. The kingdom of God is your system. You understand that, right? You know, that's like trying to ride a bicycle in quicksand. We aren't made to do that. We're made, come on, come on, come on. We're made to just jump right over to quicksand. We just, we just, we just take a little leap right over to quicksand and we laugh at it and we say, not me, not me. I've got power, I've got glory, I've got force. And the Lord says, your son shall come from afar. What's he talking about? He's talking about your inheritance. Your inheritance, you have sons and daughters that are in your bloodlines, you don't even know who they are or where they came from. They go back to places and things, but they're gonna come from afar. Your bloodline is gonna pull people into you because that's your bloodline. You have a generational authority and a power as a king and priest of God, come on, here on earth, and because of that, the sons of your kingdom are gonna come to you. They're gonna come to you. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're a magnet, and I'm gonna show you why in a moment. You're saying, Pastor, you're getting a little crazy on me here. And your daughters shall be returned to your side. Your daughters shall be returned to your side. Next verse. Then you shall see and become radiant. When you open your eyes, you shall become radiant. Right? When you accept it and believe it and walk in it, now you're in unity of agreement with God. Your spirit in unity with the spirit of God. The spirit of God diving deep into things of you. Your spirit diving deep into things of God in you. You come in agreement and there's a radiation that is like a spiritual nuclear bomb. It goes off inside of you and it envelops the whole area around you and your heart shall swell with joy because you won't have any anxiety or fear because you know the Lord is with you in all things. You're able to accept what comes your way not because you want to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ and take some lashes because you have fellowshiped in the suffering of Christ and you know the victory because you understand he's already taken it all and there's a canopy over you and that canopy is his glory and his glory is lighting you in the darkest moment. It might look dark on the outside but you're the light in the dark. And then there's a transfer of wealth. Come on. The wealth of the heathen shall come to you. But pastor, we're in a recession. I don't care. The wealth of the heathen's coming to me. The wealth of the heathen's coming to me. They can spend all their money on pornography and booze and drugs and all the crap that they spend their money on, right? But the bottom line is, however it filters through the sock, it's coming to me. It's coming to you. It's coming to the kingdom because God says it, I believe it, and it's done. Hey! There's a transfer of wealth in the acceptable year of the Lord. There's a transfer of wealth. Take me to Isaiah 61. 61. Preacher's doing good today. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This was Jesus. Remember, Luke, we read it. He opened up. He read it. He declared it. He released it into the season of the birth of the church. 
But then there was a pause. Let's go. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, Jesus Christ, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Next. It's all good stuff, but I want to get to this. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is translated the year of the favor of God. That's why. That's why he said this is a pause. But now the Lord says arise and shine. Gross darkness over the earth. But the acceptable year of the Lord is the favor upon you. We have transitioned into the favor of God, the supernatural favor of God in these last days. We have transitioned into it. Now some, without knowing that, they can get pretty gloomy. Oh, it's dark. It's going to get worse. I want to go to a church where they tell me it's all going to get better. I want to listen to Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil, and, 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 and I, I want to know that things are going to be better. No, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse in the world. It's going to be worse with the gross people of darkness. But if you're in the Lord and walking in His favor and in obedience to God, none of that is going to matter to you. In fact, God's going to flip it around, turn it around, and that's what's intended for evil is going to be good. And God says, I'm going to give you a transfer of wealth. I'm going to bless you. Why does He do that? Because He wants us to be able to bless. He wants us to be the light How many of you know you are the light of the world? You are the salt and the light of the world. If the salt loses its flavor, it's useless. Unfortunately, we have a a whole bunch of people who know Jesus, know Jesus, and sometimes they love Jesus, but they don't love him all the time because sometimes they love themselves more than Jesus. Hmm? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul. That means everything, nothing else. If we walk in that point, the glory of the Lord is over you and the transfer of wealth is coming to you. Nothing's gonna touch you, nothing's gonna hurt you. You're gonna declare and mountains are gonna move. And the kingdom of God is gonna fall upon you and he's gonna supply everything you need. And you know the best part of it? You're gonna be able to bless others. You're going to be able to walk in a spirit of generosity and joy. You know, the greatest joy my wife and I have is giving. Honestly, isn't it? And, and sometimes we do it without telling the other one, and neither of us gets upset. Right? I looked at the checkbook. Well, I didn't really look at it. It flashed on my phone, and I said, who, who did that? I said, you know about this, honey? She goes, I gave it. I gave it. I said, oh, okay. You gave it. Lord, she gave it. If she gave it, we gave it. If we gave it, generosity has blessings. Hey! Hey. God is a generous God. He told Abraham, because you held nothing back from me, nothing back from me, I'm gonna give you more blessings than you could possibly imagine. And this blessings shall go on to your offspring forever and ever. Look at the sky, see how many stars there are. Can you count them? That's how I'm gonna bless your generations as long as they're in the covenant with God. So, 
We come through that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 4 for a moment. I want to talk about the mind of darkness and the mind of light. It's important. The mind of darkness and the mind of light. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Who's the mind blinder? Satan in his kingdom. He's the mind blinder. You understand that? He's the mind blinder. So when a force comes upon your mind and you begin to not think clearly or you begin to doubt the things of God or you're not quite certain what it is, it could be one of two things. Self-inflicted in your flesh or the mind blinder. Either one of those are no good. Either one of those you need to pause. Either one of those you need to take a spiritual stop and pause and say, Lord, I'm going to wait for the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in ye, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's given us the mind of Christ. But you need to understand there's a force that comes to blind your mind, but not only your mind, it has blinded the minds of the heathen, of the people who are in darkness. Their minds are blinded. So to them, good is evil, and evil is good. To them, everything that you stand for is against what they want it to be because they don't want to conform to who you are. They don't abide the Word of God. They may not know the Word of God. They're not led by the Spirit of God, and they can call me whatever they want. That's a truth. That's a fact. You must not conform, but be ye transformed by the Spirit of the living God, moving from a glory to a glory to a glory. We are always being transformed. And we have to understand that we might be of this world, but we're not in it. We're in it, but we're not of it. Correct? Little change. We're in it, but we're not of it. Yes, you're in the world. But God didn't put you here unequipped. He gave you everything that you need if you have it and you use it. If you don't get dressed up with Ephesians 6 in the morning, the devil will find your weak spot. Any good soldier, any good fighter, Anybody who knows, they size somebody up, they look for their weak spot, and that's where they attack. And when you come out not dressed in your suit of armor, your spiritual armor, you better believe there are demons assigned to you who are looking for the weak spot. And they have a little book. They're not very smart. Actually, they're pretty dumb, right? Jesus, don't, don't just cast us out. Cast us out into those pigs. And all the pigs went over and, and drowned themselves, right? They're dumb but they have a history and they got a little history on you say oh if i push this button she's going to do this if i push this button he's going to do this if i push this button on a wife and this button on, on a husband they're going to collide and because it happened to them before because this is their history because this is their weakness because hey you don't go out the door with with a weakness you leave the weakness wrapped up where it belongs bound up in hell and you put your shield on, you put your helmet on, you put your girdle on, your girdle of truth. You put, you put your feet shod in peace and you get your weapon out, the sword. And you walk out and you do it, understanding that you are fully equipped. But God says in this day, in this acceptable day of favor, 
He said, I'm going to give you a supernatural favor. That the more the darkness comes upon you, the more the light's going to rise in you and over you. That the more that comes against you, I'm going to double down and give it to you some more. I've got a greater portion than that has because the light of God shines in you, over you. This is your acceptable day of favor. And I want you to shine my glory so that everybody around you sees it. I want to prosper you so people know that I am doing it, that you're in my kingdom, and I want you to be generous to help people to come to the light and to edify the body of Christ. I want to go to Genesis chapter 1. I want to establish something so you understand the spiritual law that's working in you and for you right now and why the dark shall find its way to the dark and the light shall find its way to the light. This isn't by accident. This isn't coincidental, it's not random. Verse one, Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was was without form and void and darkness, darkness was upon the face of the deep But the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God moved upon the darkness that was in the deep. Arise, shine, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you, but deep darkness upon the earth. That earth that was filled like that was deep darkness. The earth right now is releasing a spiritual deep darkness, and the Holy Spirit that moved to bring form and void and God's will upon the earth at that time is now moving upon God's people, just moving and bringing form and void and structure. And next verse, hovering over you. Then God said, arise, shine, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke through the darkness and shined the light. It's the first move of God in creation. It's the first move of God in you in this deep time of gross darkness upon the earth. The Lord is hovering over you and the Spirit of God is speaking inside of you and to everything around you, to your environment, to your children, to your generations, to your bloodline, to everything that you are, to your families, to your hopes, to your hearts. And he's saying, let there be light. And then look what happens. Next verse. And God saw the light, and he said, that is good. And then God, come on, divided the light from the darkness. You are a division. You are not a multiplication of darkness. You are a division out of the darkness. There cannot be darkness where there is light. It's either light or it's dark. God says, the glory has risen upon you. Let there be light. Next one. God called the light day. So call yourself day. You know, Doris day, any day you want. And the darkness, he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Understand, there's a day of darkness and a day of glory released upon the earth right now. It's a spiritual day. And it's echoing itself according to what God created. Next Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. God divided. In God's creation, he divides. 
and then he multiplies. You understand? Divided light and day. Divided firmaments. Give me water. Give me terra firma. Dividing. God dividing into what has structure and void and serves his kingdom and his purpose and his creation and his image. Next. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. Next. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Next day, let's go. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. God provides a platform. God provides a separation. God provides a place to stand and see the good thing that I shall do. Next. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. God likes his handiwork. God loves to see the light go from the dark. He loves to see the mushy stuff go away and the, and the firm stuff happen. He loves the foundation of the word versus the flinging of humanism. God calls it good because God is good. Next. Then God said, ah, let the earth bring forth grass. Now, God is being, beginning to adorn his creation. And, he, and the great artist is beginning to paint things into it so that he can bring forth life. Grass, herbs that yield seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit. Now listen to this. Underline it. According to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. He goes on and on. Cattle, living creatures. He says, let each kind bring forth its own kind according to that which is in it. You are a special kind. You're a new creation. You've been remade and transformed in the image of God. You got spiritual seed inside of you that is coded according to the divine design attributes of God that are unique to you, but are also common to you and I as children of God. You have seeds that when you plant them, just like Isaac did in the famine, you plant them now in the recession, you plant them in the darkness, it's going to bring forth its own kind. It's going to multiply. And the Lord says, be fruitful and go multiply. And the Lord says, if you take the talents I give you and you invest them, I will multiply them. He says, if you're willing to give up everything for my kingdom, I'll bless you a hundredfold in this life and the one to come. God's seed inside of you must multiply, bring forth its own kind according to the word of the living God. That's a spiritual law. Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. That glory cannot be contained. That glory is enveloping. That glory invades everything in your environment. Nothing can stop it because where the glory of God goes with you, darkness is no longer there. It's gone. It's gone. We need to walk understanding that we're David's. We need to walk that giants ain't nothing but little midgets to us. We need to understand that when Satan roars, we got a, a lion of the tribe of Judah who roars louder. 
We need to understand that no matter what is thrown against us as truth, we have the real truth. We speak the word and we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We need to understand that just as God said in this time, we have seed inside of us that has already been coded by God to overcome the darkness, to overcome the antichrist, to overcome the season upon the earth that is preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Ultimate victory is when Jesus comes with his angels, with his saints, and when his church is walking in the power of being pure without a spot. We're getting there. Some are getting there. Some are beginning to hear. Some are beginning to repent. Some run. You know, each kind tries to bring forth its own kind. We got that, right? Do you know that gossipers like to bring forth gossipers? Do you know that people lack of faith like to bring people lack of faith? Do you know that doomsdayers like to speak doomsdayer? Do you know that people that roam from church to church like to pull other people out of a church to go roam with them and then they leave them? Huh? I see it all the time. I see people taken, that have been taken out of this church and they're scattered. They followed a voice. Somebody that said there's something better and then that person moved on and they got left behind. Be careful. Be careful. Understand each kind kinds of bring forth its own kind. Just because someone calls himself a Christian doesn't mean they've got your best patterns in life. Doesn't mean they have your best interest. Each kind brings forth its own kind. We're not being judgmental. You know, listen to me. When we speak truth, that's not gossip. You understand that? When we speak truth, that's not gossip. It's when we don't speak the truth that it becomes dangerous to people. We speak truth. I've told you and I teach you all the time. When somebody begins to speak things and say things or do things that are not according to the faith, you stop them right there. You don't receive it. Don't be so polite that you put your faith on the line and cause your spirit to be troubled. People begin to tell you about this and that, and this is going to, whoa, stop it right there. I'm sorry. You know, please lock your lips. I don't want to receive that. I'm not judging you as a person, but I am judging what goes inside of this spirit. And when people begin to attract you and try to pull you away from the things of God and the commitment of God and your family of God, stop it right there. Because is that good for you? Is that good for me? Is that your best interest? Measure, measure, measure as people of God. And when people speak things against you, you're never going to be this, you're never going to be that, give them a spiritual slap. I'm sorry, I don't receive that. Don't receive it. Because God's going to make you better and better and better and better and use you. So, Pastor Frank, why is this here? Well, first of all, so I could grab the horns of the altar. I've always wanted to do that. Ralph, did you do that on your own in there? Grab the horns of the altar. (laughs) and not die. We know that this is a symbol of when God was in covenant with Israel and was moving with them and that this was where his presence was. 
the glory of God in the altar. We understand that. But I want to use it for an illustration. And a great woman of God deeded this to us, Marian Masters. Two days or three days before she died, I promised her that I would do everything in my power to be able to collect her things and safeguard them in this house because that's what she wanted. She didn't want them to be scattered. And some have tried to scatter them since, said, that was mine, this is mine. And the Lord says to me, no, son, keep your word to Mama Marion because legacies scatter, right? You ever go to a, to a garage sale and you see pictures of somebody's family and you see their trophies from when they were a child and you see their war pictures and your heart begins to break because that person's no longer along and their legacy is gone. It's gone. It's just scattered to the winds, being picked apart by the crows for pennies. No, it's not going to happen. Why is this here? Because I want to give you an illustration. And that illustration comes from Obed-Edom. Can you say Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom. Very interesting. You can read it yourself in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4. But the Philistines, uh, a neighboring people, had captured the Ark of the Covenant, known as the uh, Ark of God, which was what? Sacred for the Israelites. And they got it during the Battle of Aphek. Now, in their mindset, they realized that Israel went to battle with this. They didn't understand the power of the only living God. They looked at this as an object. Many people today look at God as an object. Many people today use faith as an object instead of realizing it's a real personable spirit called God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And so they captured this. They took it back to their place and their ignorance, thinking, well, now, not only are we going to deprive Israel of their power, but we're going to get their power. And it's just like when you talk to a Hindu and you think you got somewhere and you convince them that Jesus Christ is God and they say, good, I'm going to make him one of my gods. And they have three million of them already. And we all remember it was on Time magazine that some Hindu in Hindi in India made Donald Trump one of his gods and put a dollar bill and burned it and burned some incense to it. That's what they did. They made the Ark of the Covenant of God another god, just another god amongst all their other gods, but he's a jealous god. <laughs> you can't take the Ark of God and put them amongst some other gods and expect there not to be consequences. If we put our relationship with God as just a bunch of other idols and things and distractions and priorities, in essence, we're saying to them, take it to the house of the Philistines. God doesn't like that. So they took the Ark into their own place. But things began to happen. They began to get hemorrhoids. They called it emrods in translation. Now, I don't know if you ever had a hemorrhoid, not a nice thing. Can you imagine they all became plagued with hemorrhoids? Not just one or two. Everybody's walking around, whoa! And they finally woke up and they said, get that thing out of here because the glory of God blesses that which can receive the glory of God. It curses that which cannot. 
The light overcomes the darkness. The darkness can't overstand it. And so when you're walking with the glory of God, it's not meant to be ministered or put in places that are foul. It's meant to be protected as a holy tabernacle because now the spirit of the living God that was in this place is in this place and he's in this temple. And the spirit of the living God doesn't like to abide with idols, with pornography, with foulness, with perversions, with addictions. There's no place for the living God with that. The good news is Jesus Christ has taken all of that for you and for me. He'll help us to deliver us. He'll help us to heal us. He'll give us everything that he's already taken by himself for us. That's the good news. We're not lost like the Philistines. I'm always interested in knowing if the hemorrhoids went away when they got rid of the ark or if they stayed. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe God in his mercy blessed the heathen too. I don't know. So eventually they stuck this thing on a cart with two oxen and they slapped the butt of those oxen and they said, go that way and don't come back. And off the oxen went. And the Israelites retrieved the ark. David got excited. He had already built Jerusalem now. He had this place. It was a fortress. It was a promise. It was in scripture. It was the place where Solomon was, Salem. That's where Melchizedek came from. So we understand it had to be a high holy place at a point. And he wanted to take the ark and put it in his place to do a good thing. But the problem was his heart wasn't right. It wasn't so much that he wanted to do it out of, uh, out of, a, of a desire for God and to be obedient to God. He wanted to do it out of a desire for David and his kingdom and have the power and the force of God back in it. So he took it out of the house and two of the sons were the ones on each side of the ark. And we know the story, Uzzah, as the ark began to shake, touched it and the order of God struck him dead because of the same ignorance that David had. David was scared then because the fear of the Lord is what allows us to minister the glory of God. The fear of the Lord. You understand? God first, the fear of the Lord. Boy, I'll tell you, I fear God. Boy, do I fear God. I try not to fear anything else in my life, but I fear God. I fear God. I fear God, what he can do to me, what, he, what I can do to other people because of God. I fear God. And because of the fear of the Lord, it helps me to stay focused and to understand who I am and who he is and what I'm supposed to do and try to stay in my lane. David didn't stay in his lane. Uzzah died. David said, what do I do now? I'm going to put this in somebody's house and we're going to figure this out. And he didn't even know when he put it in Obed-Edom's house what would happen, but Obed-Edom obviously had to be somebody who was righteous, and David had to feel that Obed-Edom was a little closer to God than he was. And he didn't want the Philistines to get it again, and he sure didn't want to just leave it out there with the cows and the cattle. He stuck it in Obed-Edom's house. And all of a sudden... It says, Obed-Edom and all that was in his house was blessed and everything around him 
was blessed. The favor of the Lord. The favor of the Lord in the presence of the living God. The favor of the Lord. The Lord has promised us. He's promised everybody, but this house, we're pursuing it. We're seeking. We're pursuing that acceptable favor of the Lord in this day because not only do we need it, it's our inheritance. I don't know about you, but I'm all for. I'm all for the possessions of the heathen coming into my bank account. I don't know about you. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because God said it. I'll receive it. Let it happen. I'm not praying poverty upon them, but you know what? Maybe they got too much and some of it needs to come to you and me. Because you know what we'll do with it? We'll multiply it. We'll be generous with it. We'll invest it in the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God. We'll see a need and say, can we help you with that need? We'll come together as a family. And when we hear something, we're not going to just ignore it. We're not going to count it as if we're losing something out of the bank account. Do you know that I had to give this lecture to some very wonderful big people of God just yesterday? I was on the phone for a couple hours. And I had to explain to them that, you know, when they have an endowment, a big endowment, you know what endowments are making right now? Great big endowments if you're just putting them in like a Merrick's or a serve or stuff like that. 6%. What's inflation? 9, 9.2. So you're losing money. You're losing money. So I'm not losing money. Yeah, you're losing money. You're losing three points right now. You lost three points. You lost three cents. So I told them this. I said, you know, I don't know how big your endowment is because they were asking my advice. I said, you probably don't like my advice, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because I don't care. I said, say your endowment's $1,000. Put all the zeros on the end of it you want. You take $100 of that out. You put it into something like real estate that'll get you a minimum 8%, maybe 12, 15, 20 if you're smart, 22, 25% return. And while that's out of your endowment, you're losing six cents, right? 60 cents on $100, 60 cents on $100. Can you lose that for a year or two and replace it with 12 to 15 to 20 cents? You're not bleeding, you're investing. Some people, that are Christians, when it's time to give, they think they're bleeding. They think they're taking something out of their bank or what's theirs, and now they got a hole. No, 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 no. You're investing. And the Lord says he's going to give it back to you a hundredfold. To me, it's an investment. Everything that God gives me an opportunity to do, my wife and I, it's an investment. It's an investment. It's an investment in the kingdom of God. And I'm not telling you to do it at the point because you want a, a return. No, the return's promised to you. Do it because you're generous and it gives you great joy. And nothing is better than to watch what God does with the seed that he has already coated in your hands that multiplies for somebody else. It's a joy that I can't explain and you don't know it unless you've done it. Churches cropping up in other countries, lives being changed. Someone coming up to you from 20 years ago and saying, you probably don't remember this, but this happened and God used you at Look at me now, homeless people, things of the kingdom of God, giving God a house of worship, an excellent house of worship, a pure, holy house of worship. Obed-Edom got favor. David finally took it the right way because his attitude was right. And he brought it back up to Jerusalem and he did it with the fear of the Lord. 
He prepared the Levites as priests that they were supposed to be. You are Levites and priests like you're supposed to be. To carry the glory of God for the purpose of God and putting God in the proper place where he belongs. In these hearts, the favor of the Lord is upon you. Arise and shine. This is the acceptable year of the favor of God upon you. And even though gross darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, the favor of the Lord shall be a shelter over you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ralph, I'm going to ask you to collect the offering. Um, if you want to put it in a basket, that's fine. If you want to bring it up of a, as, as a form of, of worship, that's fine too. Because it is a form of worship. No legalism. It's what you feel comfortable with. But this I say to you. It's not because as a church we're desperate for money. We've had some very generous people help us so that we could be generous and we're being generous. <laughs> we're not just storing it up like nuts, like a squirrel in a tree because winter's coming. We're believing God that we have more to give so God can give us more to give. And so I'm not ashamed to ask because I know what our motives are. Our motives are kingdom. But also this, it's for you to be blessed. When you withhold from God, you're not gonna stop the things of the kingdom of God that he needs to do. What you're gonna do is cause a blockage in the blessings of God to yourself. That's what happens. And they come in many forms, financially, spiritually, people set free, people healed, people healed, people healed. As soon as Ralph's done, I want to pray, pray a prayer of healing upon people. The Lord gave it to me. And I know there's some people watching, don't go away. I want to pray for your healing because you need it. Go ahead, Ralph. 